You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And we'd like to welcome everyone to episode 40. Wow. We've been doing this for, when, when did we do the first Almost episode? Almost exactly a year, I think. It was early June. Yeah. We broke a thousand uh, downloads for this last month. 1,100, actually. Well, that's breaking a thousand. Yeah. No, it's exciting. It's a big deal for us. So keep listening. Keep sharing the show. Start sharing the show if you haven't started sharing the show. Uh, we'd like to welcome everyone back and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Make sure that you also join the Facebook group. I realized in the last couple episodes I just said join the Facebook group, but I didn't actually say what the group was called. And it's just called You Don't Sound Autistic, YDSA. So join the group, join the conversation. A lot of people on the group chime in and uh, gives us some things to talk about on the show and also just gives us uh, the ch- a chance to chat with everyone uh, outside of this program. We also like to welcome our different listeners from all over the world and all over the United States. So thank you so much for listening. Keep listening and we'll try to uh, be good. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you don't know, uh, just for our new listeners, if you're joining us for the first time um, this episode, You Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week, we do our best to represent both neural perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multiple diagnosis through a multiple, multiple, English, multi-generational. No, go for what you were going, <laughs> multiple. I don't know. Multi, multi-generational uh, lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real-life back-and-forth communication and collaboration process. If you aren't raising the next generation of neurodiverse uh, kiddos, you'll still find the comparison of the age groups um, throughout our, our episodes helpful and it will help you in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. I couldn't have said it better myself. You probably could have. I stumbled a lot on that. Derp. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's okay. Um, yeah, so what's been going on this week? Um, big things did happen this week. Actually, t- this was a pretty, pretty stable week. We don't get a lot of those. No, we did make a decision for Declan, um, for those that are following and care. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's been taking swim classes, and, and that's been a challenge because of the the changes every time we go in. It's a different teacher, and so he doesn't really feel – I don't think he feels stable and comfortable in the in the classes anymore, and I don't know if he's getting enough out of it. So we decided that we're going to – we gave our notice to the swim place and – figured later down the road maybe we'll put him back and we'll definitely put him back in a swim but um we're gonna switch him over to gymnastics at the the little gym uh, well oh is that where we're going we're going there for sure well i don't know for sure but that's where we're starting um okay i was gonna say that we were um told by his pediatrician who also has an autistic child that gymnastics is that right that's true. I'm and not this making is, this up. No, and it's his it's his regular pediatrician, not his developmental. Although his developmental right. did 
pediatrician also recommended um, gymnastics for young autistic kids because it, it's such a um, movement-based uh, process, of course, but it's also like the feedback that they get in their joints from the jumping and the crashing and, and gymnastics kind of gives well, that. Well, hopefully there's not too much crashing. No, crash, sorry, crashing is an occupational therapy term of getting feedback so like when he runs and crashes into the door that's called crashing or when he's jumping um on the bed and you know falling down like that's all intentional this is a uh, proprioceptive feedback correct did i get that right you did you did good Look job at me that's all i know that's the other Good night, folks <laughs> that's all i got he's also super clumsy i mean and I, I know you're the baby well you kind of both are I do. I do have. Actually, that is. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was just thinking about that the other day. I will be walking, holding my phone, and then I'll just chuck my phone out of my hands. Yeah, it's. Or I'll be holding something, or I, I'm not paying attention. Like I, uh, I try to drink everything out of my water bottle now, and I always try to remember to put the lid on because I had like a drink, like a um, kombucha. Mm-hmm. And I had set it next to my feet, next to the sofa. No, oh, no. And I kicked it over, and then I was like, "Son of a bitch!" And then I put it back. You did kick it again? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh. So I drank about a quarter of that thing, and my floor <laughs> drank the rest. Oh. So that was well, fun. So now I try to drink everything out of this trusty water bottle here because I just knock stuff over. Yeah. So proprioceptive uh, feedback is important because a lot of times when there's when there's nerve sensory challenges, so. Nerve sensory challenges would be like if you have a high pain tolerance, for example, or if you're really super sensitive to light touch, like that would be an indication of proprioceptive challenges, especially in the um, nerve sensitivity. So a lot of times what happens is you're either over or under aware of where your body stops and starts and something else, some other object or someone else's body stops and starts. And so... It's kind of a combination of both things, but proprioception happens in our joints. And, you know, when you're, when you bump into the wall, it's actually your joints that get that feedback. That's like, oh gosh, you know, there's the wall there. It's your nerves that send the signal to your spine, to your brain that, hey, you just bumped into the wall and oh, by the way, that hurt. But it's our joints that kind of keep us, um, like, positioned in the room where you kind of know hey there's you know i when you're walking in the grocery store and you're like oh i feel someone close to me that's a sensitive proprioceptive person although you have someone like declan who will just run right into four people and not even realize that they were there because his proprioceptive uh, sensory system is kind of underperforming isn't that part of him being a three-year-old though too on top of uh, having uh, autistic sensibilities yeah yes it develops over time but his is developmentally delayed got it so i find that there's times when i'm at work for some reason especially at work but even when i'm wandering around my apartment uh if i turn or go to do something my center of balance gets thrown off and i i'm like oh god people are gonna think i'm drinking at work or something because i look like i'm stumbling mm-hmm. it's not like i'm just stumbling and falling all, all over the place like it writes itself relatively quickly but there's just certain times when that happens is that something that happens to you or is that do you think more of an, an autistic uh trait 
It's interesting. It is tied to autism because the vestibular system in the ears is where we get our sense of balance from. My vestibular system is just fine. Is it? Yes, honey. You got to show me. Can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> you want to be? Uh, you want to be interviewed, Declan? Yeah, Declan's vestibular system. Hello. Do you? Can you? Do you ever get dizzy? No, 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 no. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He does not get dizzy. And he's not alone, actually, That what we've found. No, Dad. Oh. We're down. Thanks, buddy. I got taken away here. Uh, a, a lot of times what we notice in the kiddos, especially now that we know to look at them during the developmental years, look at Dad's, is that they actually don't get dizzy um, because there's something in the vestibular system that works differently. And I'm, I'm not sure of the actual mechanisms for it but it's pretty common that they can spin and spin and spin and they can actually go on those like spinning rides and just not get dizzy so there's something in the way those nerves work or don't work um that has a direct impact on balance okay well that makes sense you gotta show me okay i um it's something that like as a kid my my mom and my dad would always be like you have such a hard head yeah you know and because uh, I would fall, I'd run and like fall. And I guess I would hit my head quite a bit. Yeah, that's part of the clumsy. That's exactly what we're talking about. Okay. Those are early signs that, of course, back then it was brushed off as, oh, you're just a rambunctious kid. You're just tripping over your feet. Like no one knew. We I don't know that we knew till recently the connections neurologically and how that would present in a child. You, oh, you're taking me away. And just like that, he's vanished. Magic of food. And editing. Ta-da. Um, yeah. So, anyways, they don't get dizzy. Yeah. They, as in people like Declan? Um, a lot of different neurodiversities, but specifically w- with autism. In fact, I've read about some places uh, who are really studying that particular nerve and how nerves are generated in the brain and have created machines that help, they, they create a spinning environment because... Um, their research has found that the act of continual spinning helps to develop more nerves in the brain and can help um, just with overall development and kind of bridging the gap between neuro, uh, neurodevelopmental channel challenges. So you're having a hard time with the old English language mm, today. I really am. She manages to get the word proprioceptive out, though. <laughs> Fair point. Still, Can't spell it, but... I'm, I might have spelled it. We'll see. Um, let's see. What else? <laughs> well, so one of the other reasons why we decided to pull him out of um, swimming is because he's struggling to with... To swim. Yeah, he's struggling to... He won't, The water is really difficult for him to embrace when it comes to like because he's had so many ear problems that he now is telling the teacher he doesn't even want to get his earplugs wet so totally defeating the purpose of wearing the earplugs in the first place right but he won't get his head wet um doesn't doesn't like getting his head wet even in the tub no so it's gonna make you know obviously the act of swimming very difficult so he's at a point where he's like maxed out what he can do in the pool um right and that's okay because you know as i've been talking to some of my my autistic clients, um, this is not just a challenge that presents in childhood. This can be a challenge that continues through adulthood. 
not liking getting your head wet. Uh-huh. I realized, um, and this is going to sound kind of gross, but I don't love bathing. Yeah, that's But not- I like swimming if the temperature's right. But like getting in the shower, mm-hmm. I just don't really particularly care for it. That's what I'm talking about, actually. So one of the one of the I don't have ice cream, honey. I don't buy ice cream. I know you want it, but that doesn't mean I have it. Thrilling conversation for everyone. <laughs> you what? I want ice cream. I don't have ice cream. Yeah, you're interrupting, Declan. Go eat. Go eat your pork. No. We don't have ice cream. We've been taken over. Because of the sensory challenges that are presented with bathing, you know, like whether it's the temperature of the water or just the pure sensation of the water on your back or it can come down to like the water pressure or the lack of water pressure, the shower head, all these different factors can play into um, an avoidance of regular hygiene. Yep. I mean, it's the same reason that I wear pretty much the same clothes every day. Yeah. Just find what I like and stick to it. And I don't know if anyone else does that. Uh, If anyone, I don't know if anyone remembers, I mean, I guess like all cartoons are like that, but like Doug Funny from the old Nickelodeon cartoon Mm -hmm. would be like um, going to his closet and he had the same shirt and the same shorts basically like just like 20 outfits right now i don't exactly have that i just wear the same thing every day but it's because it's too much thought i mean sometimes i'll change my clothes it's not like i wear literally no, every you day, don't but you, you you change it around but i mean there's also if you go back to the sensory um like the actual nerves in your skin or in your hands you know in, in the way your body is perceiving the outside world you might not notice um, you know, that feeling of feeling dirty. It might, you might not feel that for a couple more days, you know, because your nerves are transmitting the input and the information to your brain differently. Um, like you have a high pain tolerance. You may have a high tolerance for other things as well. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have a high pain tolerance. Do I? He, he does. I mean, I guess I, I do remember being a kid and like, I'd be, I'd walk into the house or something and I'd be like, how'd that get there? And my knee would be all bloody. Yeah, that's him already. I mean, even though he switched schools, I'm still noticing he has far less bruises on his legs, but now he's picking up a lot more on his arms. Hmm. And I, I talked to his um, his people and I was like, hey, is he super clumsy? And they're like, oh yeah, he's super clumsy. And I'm like, have you seen these, like, um, these bruises, they're kind of in a V shape on his elbow. I'm like, it doesn't look like it's a straight across thing. It's like it ran into something that's patterned. Um, so maybe he ran into a vagina. He said it was V shaped. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. Let's hope not. I'm just saying. At three and a half. Okay, maybe not. Hey, he, he's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true dad. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, but it is something to consider. Right. Um, and and some of those decisions have implications that are unintended. So it may be a sensory reason why you don't like feel like jumping in the shower every single day, but it can lead to unintended self-esteem challenges when you don't like your appearance every day. Well, my appearance, I tie. Uh Oh, don't yawn. 
my appearance, I tie more to the fact that, like, I'll look in the mirror and I'm just like, uh, do not feel sexy at all. It's like one of the things with like the dating stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll I, like, I'll be like looking at, you know, through pictures and I'm just like, she's too hot. She's too hot. <laughs> Gotta find me, gotta find me a fatty. <laughs> oh no! So you do have a limit, like you—that's that glass ceiling we've talked about before. I'm kidding. I, 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 I mean, I, I of course I. So wait, 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 what does that say about me? We're not together. But back then, you were like, okay, she's just cute enough. No, I thought that I was, I, I was hot stuff back then. Oh, okay. I was in shape. You were hot stuff. Now then. I'm just a shape. <laughs> You're not. Okay, you got to give yourself a little bit more credit. I know I need some of that. I need some. My brother and I are talking about this. Uh, I need some of that brother confidence. Okay. Because he just, he's. He, what did he say? It was really funny. He's like, if you can't go through life thinking that you're fucking awesome, he's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, even if you're not, he's like, if you think it, if you think it, it feels pretty damn good. That's right, it does. So that's why he's able to just walk up to everybody and start conversations. He just has no filter in that way, whereas. My brain's like, nope. Yeah, but I don't think he has the autistic qualities that you do. No, he's got ADHD. Right. So he has a fear of rejection, but not nearly the same outlook. I don't think everyone that has ADHD has or experiences RSD at the same levels. No, I don't think they do. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying that, um, and I do believe there's mirroring mirroring and masking with ADHD, but it's not the same type of mirroring and masking with autism. That's true. And so he doesn't have the mirroring and masking filters or the defaults, if you will, like the kind of um, programmed social sequence before he engages with someone else, which you do. Like you go, oh, there's someone I want to talk to. And then instantly your social filters through mirroring and masking is like, okay, oh, I gotta button it up. I got to, you know, become this version of myself that I think that that person's going to want to respond to. And and inadvertently you've just um, diluted who you are as a person. I think a lot of that right now is like the medication that I'm taking. I swear it has to be the medication or something. I hit my head really hard, but I find myself like because the only people I really hang out with are these strange women that I'm meeting. I mean, you did hit your heart, your head pretty hard. Um, but I, uh, I'm like, man, I'm boring now. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I was doing some self discovery on different parts of my own personality, and one thing I came across was like my personality is really um, engaged by intellect and, and stimulating conversation. And I was thinking back to when we were dating and it was like, yeah, you know what? I remember you and I could just sit and talk and talk and talk and talk. And it didn't matter what topic it was. We would just, you know, range from anything in daily life, whether it was movies or, you know, pop culture or just how we felt or different theories. And we just constantly were talking and you're right that I'm like, and I think about it now and you'll just kind of sit there and be like, hmm, okay, what's next? You know, and it, you don't, it does seem to have dampened that intellectual, um, what's the word? Like stimulation. You, yeah. But I'm thinking more of like curiosity, I think is the word you, you were intellectually curious about everything. I still am. Years ago. But now you if you are, you don't express it. You used to be able to express it. Okay. So is that part of what you're talking about? Because there no, are some No, I, I think it's just because I, I, I feel like I had a... 
You know, like, have you ever had writer's block? Mm-hmm. I have, like, speaker's block. Where, like, because I'll be texting people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're an amazing texter. And I'm like, just wait till you meet me in person. And then I'm super boring. In person? Yeah. So something's changed in the in-person interaction? Like, you're not feeling as safe and secure? I don't know what it is. I just know that, like, I'm trying to enjoy these people's company, and I am. And that, but it's it's still like it's hard, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh my god, this is this person must be bored to death. So if I go on a like second date, I'm like, what the hell did I do last time? Right. Or like, why did they accept my second date request? But then other people I've gone out with like several times, and then they seem like they're into me, and then they just disappear. It's so difficult in the world of social interactions right now and and that's, you know, whether it's friends or family or dating is because it's it's really we're at a point in our evolution where you you don't know if it's really you or them. So many people are taking the route and I applaud this. This is this is progress in my opinion is that we're taking the route of exploring like who we are as people and what drives us and what do we need and and I don't really think we've been really self-focused for a while we were taught for a very long time that being self-focused meant that you were selfish and that still feel like that i well and that is if you feel selfish for paying attention to your own needs then then that is a sign of trauma i'm just gonna say it right now save the trauma for your mama yeah well maybe mama can help you with that trauma but it is a sign of trauma it's not a sign of truth um it is designed to keep us out of our inner knowing so that the more we don't know about ourselves the more it keeps us in fight or flight and it it reduces our ability to empower our own lives to work for us and it keeps us in a place where we're easy to manipulate we spend more money than we need we we don't take the time to prepare or plan we don't take the time to to understand our needs to meet them well so we end up trying to problem solve and we it's it very costly to try and problem solve a new problem every day and it keeps us in debt which forces us to go to work and so while I agree we all should work and there's benefit to having hobbies there's a downside by not taking the time to really drill down and focus all of those opportunities um, in daily life back to who you are as a person and then getting really clear about hey I have a hobby in playing a ukulele and that's what I'm going to focus my time and attention on and then you stop spending money um, superfluously in all these other places and as a result you know you can make a dent on your you know debt and savings while in getting more enjoyment out of your life but spending less so who wants you to stop spending those are the same people that tell us that it's selfish to pay attention to ourselves so you can start to see this I was cycle wondering where you're going with that <laughs> yeah no it's that's that's where I'm going with it because it's not selfish at all. It's self-interested. In fact, you're the only person on the planet, the only person on the planet who can tell you what you like, why you like it, what you need, how you feel, and you know what you need next in order to feel accomplished in your life. No one can tell you that for you. So it can't be selfish <laughs> for you to meet your own basic needs. It's just an interesting cycle, but I think it's, I'm sad to hear that you don't feel like yourself when you're on these dates because you have by nature a very electric personality, like you're very charismatic. You don't feel like it's been not like that recently? 
Well, I know that you're experiencing, you know, I know that you're chronically depressed and I know that that has, you know, an impact over time. I'm, I'm just not clear as to, like you said earlier, what is, what's the depression? What's the medication? What is the fact that um, you just don't really love Georgia? So every, every time you're going on dates, you're just interacting with more parts of a state you don't enjoy. I mean, I don't know what it is. I couldn't tease it apart. I wouldn't have thought it was, I don't think it's because your personality is bad or worse. I think you just don't love being here. That's what it feels like. And by here, I mean Georgia. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> just to be clear. As opposed to what? I, I'm i just saying. Earth? Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, no, I'm fine. I don't have, it's my home. I think if you can't go on a date to In-N-Out, then something in your brain is like, this isn't a real date. You know, if you can't. A real date does usually end with In-N-Out. I, well, that's what I, I recognize that. I understand. Pun intended. <laughs> oh, I just got that. Man, how slow are you? Oh, man, it's been a day. Just for our um, listeners out of the U.S., In-N-Out is a hamburger Establishment. Place. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the bomb. Very, very popular in Southern California and the neighboring states. Um, it has not made its way to the East Coast. I think the farthest east it is is parts of Texas and Colorado, but we're feeling very deprived without our... Um, yeah, like I've been trying to convince Rochelle we should go on a trip to California to see our quote unquote family. But the fact is it's he really, wants in and out. It's a, it's an, <laughs> it's an in and out run. <laughs> a very expensive in and out run. We actually plan, and this is funny because you know, food is, I have s- dreams about in and out burger. I know you tell me this every, all the almost time. every day. I don't know what it is. It's like, I'm obsessed. Wow. We have, we have for many years since we've lived outside of California now for, I guess we're going on seven years, we have planned vacations and destinations around whether or not they have an in and out And if they didn't, we considered alternatives. Like Utah has one. They have it. So we were like, okay, we'll go to Utah because there's in and out And then Arizona had options. So, you know, when I went to Arizona a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring an in and out back. And I had to choose between bringing in and out back and Togo's back. But this sounds really, um, what's the word? Like meaningless, but Food. I think it's really a tie to feeling at home. Exactly. Food, I think that's food like does I, that. When yeah. I have those, when I have those dreams, they're, they it, and this they happen the same way every time. Um, I, I'll wake up and I'll be in like that twilight wakefulness, yeah. where I'm kind of like still dreaming, but I'm like my eyes are open and I'm in my actual bedroom. Sure. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, where? I? Like, I'll I'll be dreaming like there's no in and out here, and then I'll wake up and I'm like, wait. There's in and out, but I think it's because I keep reflecting to the fact that they built all those. I was waiting so long in, yeah, Colorado, in Colorado for them to build those in and outs there, and then we moved right like a month before they opened. I know that. Was, Damn it, Rochelle. Well, I know that was brutal, but but there is comfort. First of all, emotions need comfort for ritual, and uh, sorry, I said that backwards. Emotions need ritual for comfort, and food often provides that comfort, and a lot of times as an establishment you can trust to make the same thing consistently over and over again. So that meets multiple needs, right? Because autism has a, um, one of the diagnostic qualities is whether or not you have a rigidity to sameness. Something has to be the same. Like it has to be the same every time and, and there's really no flexibility there. Um, that's one of those things that, that they look for. And one of the places they look for it most is in food. 
um, also in routines. And well, in and out is pretty consistent. Right. But inadvertently, your obsession almost with um, with any particular food or food place can also be a very clever way of hiding that um, that insistence on on sameness. Right. So that's interesting. But emotions need ritual for comfort because getting something like you go to In-N-Out and you order something and you know what it is, automatically your nervous system feels feels familiar and like has an expectation that you're going to get what you want, which means that it triggers your entire body to go into rest and digest. And one of the reasons why neurologically you don't love trying new things or going to new places is because your central nervous system views change as a threat and it goes new, (gasps) new, new is unpredictable. I might not like it. It might make me sick. Like anything that's new is, is not comforting. And so that's a lot of why that rigidity to sameness or that routine, you know, that almost ritualistic routines where like you have to do the same, it kind of presents like OCD, OCD, you can kind of self-diagnose as OCD and it turns out to be more of an autistic quality. It's that same, what it really boils down to is whether your nervous system feels like this is safe and you've got something predictable that you can now settle down and enjoy or whether it's going to be new and it's going to be threatening and start that cycle all over again. So um, that's super interesting that it kind of boils down to that. But the when you have someone or you yourself are feeling, I have to have this food, that's why. And it's important to give that to yourself if you can. I mean, that's probably why you're dreaming about in and out more than probably any other thing. It's true. I miss it. I miss Togo's too. That's a sandwich establishment for anyone that doesn't know. It's delicious. Yeah. It's my favorite. I Yeah. Round table pizza. You're, Let's just talk about food for the rest of you're, the you're definitely missing all the... And, you know, it's hard to move. I chicken to, chicken masson. I do miss that. Yeah, I do. I do. And it's right across the street from In-N-Out Burger. So it's like, Sophie's choice. <laughs> Who do I choose? But it's important. I mean, like, food has connotation to comfort for multiple reasons. But I, I don't think we should underplay the importance it has uh, for an autistic household. Hello, look who's back. Hi. Oh, yeah, Declan's <laughs> back. Oh. Oh, no, I'm not allowed to say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we cannot do these podcasts at night anymore because um, it's too difficult to stay awake and stay focused. So Yeah. So now we're doing this with the non-napper. Yeah, we were really hoping swimming would take a lot out of him and create a reason for napping, but that obviously failed. So, how about we poke him? With what? He likes that. Fingers, poke him in the belly. Yeah, he likes that. That doesn't doesn't help. (laughs) I keep thinking how funny it is. All these distractions with Declan running in here, but I mean, like I've said time and time again, this is our real life. We're not. I don't have the patience to edit all this stuff out, <laughs> but it does. I mean, this is this is what people with an autistic child, I mean, and a child in general, deal with on yeah. a daily basis. So you know, it's uh, it's not. There's no magic button that we can hit unless we gave them some melatonin and some. I gotta save that for nighttime. Some 
to get him to pass out, but I don't know, I'm not going to do that. Well, we went on a big, long walk this morning, and I was hoping that was going to help. Yeah. No. All right. Well, we've been talking about proprioceptive challenges, sensory or uh, yeah. emotions, and uh, I wanted to talk about... So, a few weeks ago, five weeks ago, I guess, um, we didn't have a new episode on April 24th, so I posted the question on the Facebook group, no new episode this week, instead... What are some topics you'd like us to cover? Right. Um, I'd like to throw it out there to you. If you, you don't have to respond directly to that. Um, if you are on the Facebook group or if you decide to join the Facebook group, um, feel free to post as long as it's not some crazy inappropriate thing. If it's inappropriate, send it to me directly. <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, you know, shit, where was I going with that? Damn brain. You were probably going to invite people to oh, continue. To post. Please post on, yeah, uh, to, to post on the, uh, thank you, for the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, if you have questions or if there's anything that you'd like us to cover, and then um, it's easier if you post them um, at the beginning of the week because then it gives me and Rochelle a little bit of time to, you know, do some research, and I'll forget it by the time we record, but Rochelle probably won't. Um, but yeah, so go ahead and keep uh, keep sharing your thoughts and posting your questions and we will refer to them and one specific one is from kate who's a, a listener and a friend so she's talking about stimming and uh, i forget again is it stimming or stemming uh, you know i continue to hear both it's supposed to be both. stimulation i've also heard I've stimulation al- no I've, I she don't said know. stimming like stimulation so right that's what i understand it to be okay that's appropriate all right and sensory issues. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and... Should I just read what she wrote? Yeah. She's and then we'll go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. It's on the Facebook group, so you're at the uh, mercy of um, me reading. If you post something, I might read it on the show. Maybe I won't. Should I, should I not it, say that? I, I, I mean, sometimes <laughs> sometimes the points are so well written that paraphrasing it wouldn't do it justice. Yeah. So, so uh, she said she's currently trying to create a personal toolbox for herself and her son for when either of them gets overwhelmed or overstimulated. Mm, that's right. She often forgets what tools she already has in the moment and when she needs them and forgets to get new ones once she doesn't need them in that moment. So she said she'd love to hear what we employ for, uh, what I employ for myself and for Declan mm-hmm. and any other thoughts or considerations y'all might have. Okay, that's a good one. And she's she makes a really strong point. I actually identify a lot to the fact that I could have something really mundane like, oh, here's this ear infection. What did I do last time for it? Like, it's it's so common that once we solve a problem, it's easy to forget the solution. Um, you know, I just thought of something and it's, um, oh, what was it? Uh, it you know, if, if you've ever seen the movie Die Hard, the scene at the very beginning of the movie, he's on the airplane and the guy that's sitting next to John McClane is like, oh, when you, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but when you get into wherever you're going take your shoes and socks off and grab the floor oh that grounding with, with your toes and that's the reason that john mcclain is barefoot the entire movie just right. for for a little fun fact um but one of the things is like squeezing and, and releasing tension in your hands like mm-hmm. even if you just have your hands in your pockets to ground yourself um because that's what stimming really is like with with me one of the things that I do is sometimes I'll rock um, mm-hmm. or sway back and forth. Yep. Um, and it's that's a tough one because you look nuts. <laughs> right. And, you, and, and, and I become very self... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
self conscious. There you go. Yeah. Become really self conscious. For some reason, when you walk away, I can't think anymore, even though I was just talking and I had like a thought. Um, I become really self conscious. Now I'm self conscious just talking on the show. <sighs> Rocking um, is helpful. That's actually something that my uncle. We, it's weird because my uncle used to do it, and I was like, "What is up with Uncle Bob?" And it turns out super helpful. Um, but the you know, there really, it's like, what can you do? Tensing your body and releasing the tension, and tensing your body and releasing the tension is something that you can do in the presence of others, and they won't really know what you're doing. Rubbing your fingers together, um, flapping your arms, and stuff like that. Like if if you're trying to um, pull things in, you know. It's unfortunate that we that it we feel that we have to hide, you know, who we are, and hopefully you don't have to if you're in a situation when you're at work and like you could just if you feel but, like flapping, you flap. If you feel like rocking, rock. But here's the thing, like I don't. This is where I struggle because English let, <laughs> always. But let's say that you just had a nerve pain. Okay, let's say you had a nerve pain. Maybe you were diabetic or not. You have a nerve pain. Maybe you were in a car accident. You just have nerve pain in your hands. And you're flapping your hands because your nerve pain is at a 10 and you've got to kind of dispel that. You wouldn't think twice about doing that, even if you're at work, because it's a physical pain. You'd be like, I have this physical pain. Everyone just sort of unilaterally accepts physical pain. And you're like, oh, it's a physical pain. Okay, no problem. You know, and they accommodate that. But because what you're describing is so much more internal and it's not outwardly visible, there's something about it that makes you feel like you have to hide it. Yet you don't. If you just did what you needed to do and you allowed people to see who you really are for who you really are, it would it while you might not enjoy the initial response of, you know, that indoctrination into like other people have different needs you as we as a culture would be more inclined to to understand the need to accept instead of constantly like recreating all the judgments and the mirroring and masking you see what i'm saying like you hide it and then it you're preventing people from seeing who you really are okay so don't take my advice don't rub your hands together just flap and rock away you know, it's it's a two-edged sword. I thought that's what she was asking. Well, she's For asking about the toolbox, toolbox. The toolbox. So one of the things we have in our toolbox is Axio. Because when, when Declan starts stemming, um, because he is overwhelmed, I immediately go to the nutritional piece. Because I've learned that for him, um, a lot of times what he's craving and missing is you know, something nutritional like the B vitamins. And so I put that in his system and it instantly calms him down. I don't know if that works for everyone, but if the nutritional piece doesn't fix it, then I'll go straight to some crunchy food because I know that the sound of the crunchy food in, in your own ears, that, that vibration in your She's own ears. She's talking about if you're overstimulated or overwhelmed. Yeah. You're not always going to have a thing to get. Oh, you do when you bring it everywhere. I bring uh, those things everywhere for that reason because that is part of Declan's all right, toolbox. Kate, bring something crunchy. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but just a couple of bites some Cheetos. of something crunchy can actually, yeah, it can calm the entire your entire central nervous system to eat. That's why I started to 
Sorry, just imagine someone being like in a really serious situation <laughs> at their office, Crunch. and then all Crunch. of a sudden they just bust out like a bag of chips, and there's like, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's it's socially difficult because there's sound sensitivities and sound expectations in certain environments, right? Um, but I'm just saying, if you can, if you can get a moment by yourself um, and just take a few bites of something crunchy. Believe it or not, not just the tension in your jaw and how that helps the cranial nerves. There's something called the trigeminal nerve that goes through both the top and the bottom of you your jaw. You with the words today. But no, I, I'm telling you, like it directly connects to the reticular alarm system, which is one of the mechanisms in the brain that starts to alert you that something is a threat. So if you can calm down your threat alert system and you can do that by eating something crunchy... It actually does help to regulate. So if I'm being like, if I'm staring down a bear, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, I need something. I mean, I don't like know. A pack of gum. Actually, I will say that gum is something. That's that's a good one because gum is a great um, one. I used to uh, chew gum all the time as a kid. We'd like that. What's that crap called? Uh, I don't know if they still call it or make it big league chew. Yeah. Where it's like the, like the like shredded, the shredded g- yeah. gum. And I would just put the whole damn bag as much as I could fit in my mouth. And well, chew. and you see kids now when they overstuff their mouth, mm-hmm. same concept. It's not crunchy necessarily, but they're activating that very same like cranial nerve. Stretchiness in your mouth. Exactly. Okay. Now, I don't know about a bear because now you're talking about bear instincts. And, and I know there's different rules for brown bears and blue and blue bears. Blue bears. <laughs> brown bears and black bears. And I, of course, can't keep those straight. So I, but. Um, you see a blue bear run for your fucking life. <laughs> Sorry. We were just drawing on the whiteboard with a brown marker and a blue marker. So All right. my brain couldn't get to black. But Okay, that's fine. Um, they have black bears too. And polar bears. Yeah, he's been asking me to be a polar bear this morning. Mom, be a polar bear. I'm like, where have you seen polar bears? But fine. Maybe he's telling you to be extinct. Ew, that doesn't sound fun. No, it's mean. So other regulation um, things... For adults versus kids, I mean, those techniques work for both, although arguably it's easier to get away with them when you're a child because... I feel like moving in general, like I I, I find that like if I'm on the phone, I pace. Yeah, you do. That's true. I just wander all over the place. Okay. So I just pace back and forth. Okay. So like it's nice to have a little bit of movement um, when I'm stressed, like, you know, just in general, like I I had an employee that was really pissing me off um, at one point. And I just would, I was like, I'm a, you know, like my brain was just like, I want to quit my job right now. Right. Because I have that impetuous nature. Right. But instead I was like, okay, I'm just going to go outside. So I got it, you know, I went outside and I just walked around until I wasn't pissed anymore. And then I came back in. Walking also helps to balance your hormones. And when we're overstimulated, we're dysregulated. And anytime we're dysregulated, it also dysregulates our hormones. So hormones, I know hormones. So walking can help to balance out your hormones, which helps to counterbalance your neurotransmitters. Um, You can utilize your body to help calm your brain. Um, Being out in nature, there's obviously walking and pacing inside your house is you don't have to go anywhere and it's temperature accurate to what you want. But they also say that walking in nature and being around like the green and the there's different smells in the air. What if you live in the desert? Neurologically um, calming to just walk outside. Doesn't matter 
Oh, yeah, because you're thinking California. There was yeah. never enough green for me there. Um, well, there's plenty of green now. They legalize weed. Well, there you go. But um, I'm just saying nature in general. Like, if you can get outside and smell the fresh air and kind of be in that environment, that is um, neurologically grounding also. Okay. You used to do it a lot um, before your diagnosis. You would go out in the snow and you'd walk around at night in the snow a lot. I did. I liked it. I, well, I missed the snow. Uh, yeah. Rochelle likes to tell me that I hate every place that I live, um, but that's not true. I just didn't like certain things about Colorado. Actually, I liked Colorado. Well, you like it more once we leave it. No, I was fine. I didn't want to leave. Okay. I definitely didn't want to come to Georgia. I understand. It's like someone wants to feed you something. Nah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah. So more techniques for stemming. For stimming yeah. as an adult. Um, is more st- more stimming. Sorry, this kid. You're very distracting, young man. Mm-hmm. More pickles. Um, I don't. Well, I don't have all the answers. I'd love to hear. That's we, 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 people should chime in on the Facebook group to uh, let us know. Join the Facebook group if you haven't joined already. Let us know what you do to stem. I'm interested because you know, like the one I think I've mentioned before is uh, when it rains. Um, I hate being wet in the in the rain. Like if, uh, I'm okay if I'm in a shower or whatever because I'm naked. You're welcome. And, and and that's just that's the place for that. But I don't feel like outside is a place where you should be getting sprinkled. So even I don't know. I just don't like getting wet unless I'm like specifically going into a pool or if I'm going into the ocean or a lake or something or whatever body of water that I'm meant to be going into. I'm prepared to get wet. But being outside in my clothes, I don't like getting wet. So I <clears throat> flap my arms, and I never realized that that wasn't normal. <laughs> I thought that everyone did that. You don't do that, I'm assuming. No. You don't flap your arms when it rains? When it rains? No. Yeah. No, See? I stop my feet. Well, I love I... to play in the rain, but I was I was raised in the rain, so. All right, well, you're defeating my point. I know. I'm sorry. No, you've never liked. Um, you were fine with snow because snow I like. it had a different texture. To, or, wrong. It's a different sensation. Thank you. Yeah. The rain is just, it's wet, it, it's cold. You're, you know, the lightning... I don't like the lightning whatsoever. And there's no lightning in, in snowstorms. No, there's not. Well, I mean, maybe maybe there is somewhere. Well, when it turns from rain to snow, yes. But, like, in general, there's no thunder and lightning with a snowstorm. It right. just snows. It's just, it's just flurries of, of beautiful white snow. It's yeah. one, It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's my so, fave. Um, we, other don't, we don't get jack shit for snow out here. It snowed two Christmases ago. Barely. And I wasn't even here two Christmases ago. Fair point. So, so no snow, no in and out. Okay, so let's go back to the categories, though. Yeah. Things you can do for stimming would be body movement. You can move your body in some way. Yes. So activating your nervous system through movement. Um, you can also um, use nutrition or some sort of like eating. You can, you can be missing vitamins or you can be hungry. You have some sort of um, like physical need that you haven't met. Sometimes um, I watch... It's something I really want to say, but I'm afraid. <laughs> Sometimes I watch Declan um, need to stem when he has competing physical needs that he can't quite identify or parse out. So it's like if he has to pee and he's hungry or if he's tired and he has to, you know, usually when he always has to pee because he doesn't ever want to stop and do that. But there's but there's a nerve sensation telling him he needs to do something and it's competing with what he actually wants to do. We went to the library the other day. Yeah. 
And I was like, okay, buddy, just so you know, because we hadn't been to the library together before. I needed to get my new library card, and we picked up a couple books and some DVDs or whatever. And uh, we're standing there, and I'm talking to the nice lady, and he just, or we were waiting for someone before we were talking to her, and he was kind of just like looking around and going, (gasps) (gasps) and then after he got bored doing that, he just started kind of doing the same thing I do, which was to kind of like move the balance from one foot to the other. Oh, sure. Shifting his weight. Yeah. I, I find that I do that at work a lot mm-hmm. when I'm talking to people and I was looking it up online and they said it's because I've become so disinterested in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's just end this. And that's one of the, the just to, we talked about um, love on the spectrum mm-hmm. before. Don't let me get too far off track here. But uh, I don't remember who it was, but one of the autistic cast members would you call him a cast member yeah the, like they were basically just like okay we're done talking now and i was like why can't we do that you can oh my you, god it oh was amazing no, i was you just totally like oh can that's the thing is you relief. guys you stop yourself and that's the biggest um that's the biggest downside you stop yourself but someone won't even be in the middle like, someone won't even be done talking and i'm just like i'm done with this conversation then be honest i've done that to you and you do not like it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I won't. I don't like it because I. That's my issue to work on. But because then you're like saying that I'm like I'm not listening, and it's like no, I've listened. I got and I've gotten everything out of this conversation that I possibly can at this point. Right. I'm like I'm either overwhelmed. I can't fit. You know, it's like when we had the meeting with uh, Declan's. Uh, what is she? Caseworker? I don't know. Where are you talking about? Uh, Heather. Oh, his his therapist. Oh, she is there. Okay. But anyway, so like when we were in the, we we're doing that uh, meeting. So we have a meeting like once a week to go over Declan's progress. And halfway through just, and I didn't even make it through the whole thing. Like I had to jump in late. And I was just like, oh my God, these two talking. Well, like I, I can't I... do this. Ah, like I'm just inside. I'm just like, I, I, and I can't contribute. Right. And there's a lot of repetition. But the thing is, if you if you did stop us and said, I've lost you, if you just decided for one week to just be bold and say on the outside what's happening on the inside, you would you would actually be shocked to learn that people would start to adapt to you. It's just that you sit there and suffer in silence and then no one has any idea. Now, I can see because I can see your face when we've lost you and then I try and stop her and ask you a direct question so you have a chance to input because the momentum of our conversation can often make it feel make you feel like you don't have room to get in there because you kind of need a little bit longer of a pause and what you probably don't know is that any if there's too long of a pause which is probably what you're looking for to go oh I can get in there then it triggers our anxiety to be like we have to be saying something so but you're not representing what your needs are. And the longer you continue to not represent what your needs are, the longer I can guarantee you they won't be met. Ouch. I'm just saying. And you're the only person who can tell us when we've lost you. You're the only one. Now, after years of studying your face and, and you telling me that I've lost you, I'm, I don't like it, but you don't know what it is that, that I don't like or what I'm responding to. I might be responding to how frustrated I feel. I like to be liked. 
Okay, but but your need to be liked is now ruling your ability to communicate your needs. If you can't communicate your needs, you can't self-advocate. If you can't self-advocate, you can't collaborate, which means every interaction with you is either going to be compliance where you're getting exactly what you want or you're complying to someone else and giving them exactly what they want, which means there's no negotiation. Your needs will continue to not be met and no one will learn what your actual needs are and you're not going to get comfortable expressing your needs because you're not practicing. And if someone else has a reaction like when I don't like it, you don't know what it is I don't like. I might be reacting to the fact that I couldn't make my point more succinctly and I'm irritated with myself or that and you should be. <laughs> and sometimes that's my point. I'm self-irritated like ah, I did it again. You know why use why use five words when 50 will do? Like that's how my brain works and that irritates myself sometimes and that's what I could be referring to when I get irritated. You assume that the responsibility is well, yours. Well, you do the thing that you uh uh, but you don't know what that means. It feels d- directed at me. But it feels direct. You're assuming responsibility for something that is my reaction. It's mine to work on. I'm telling you, I got to go back to what my brother said. Just like walk around being like, man, I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> I actually wish you would. For a week, will you do that? Just walk around saying I'm fucking awesome? You have got to give your brain a chance to believe it because you have wired and fired and fired and wired your brain to believe that your needs are not important, not even to you, and that you need to suppress yourself to be liked. Those are not thoughts that trigger healthy responses in your body that contribute to a positive self-esteem. I actually think your brother's onto something. Yeah, now, maybe. We're way far off track. You were talking about being in the library and Declan was shifting his weight from yes. foot to foot. And no, I was just bringing it up that the two of us have the same stem there. That's funny. When it comes to that, because I never, uh, he, does, he doesn't do it very often, but you could tell it's like him trying to overcome the boredom and the anxiety and just his excitement. Just standing there. Yeah. yeah. So he starts rocking. But, um, some of the stuff it's it's hard because I don't really think of it because to me, growing up, if if I see him doing something that I used to do, then I just I'm like, oh, that's what a normal kid does. Uh, I don't necessarily relate it to autism, and then I see other kids, and they don't. Nec- sometimes they do that kind of stuff. Sometimes they don't. I don't know. It's just it's it's hard to pinpoint what exactly is the contributing factor to any one action that I see Declan do, or even myself. Sometimes I'm like, is this an autistic trait or is this just a me trait? And that's one of the bigger questions that people on like on the Facebook groups ask all the time. It's a fair question too because... Is this a me thing or is this an autism thing? So the one of the biggest... I continue to ask that question. Continue to ask it to your um, healthcare providers, to your mental health providers. Continue to research it. If you're raising the next generation, ask your developmental pediatrician. If you don't have one, get one. Because the truth of the matter is only by comparing the generations and learning what we're learning in this younger generation can we backwards evaluate your generation. Why was your generation so deeply missed? Because your parents weren't paying attention. And even if they were paying attention, they were told that this wide range of behavior is quote unquote normal. And it wasn't. It was a mix of neurotypical and neurodiverse from the beginning. They just didn't know. You want the pickle juice? 
Oh, I do that too. All right, give it to you. Okay, wait. What were you saying so I can contribute? I'm no. About the fact that the parents weren't paying attention, so they oh, didn't parents weren't paying attention. Then right. It wasn't. They just didn't know better. Yeah. So, I think. Have we covered this for for now? You think? I think so. I mean, we were. You were saying. Sorry, you were saying it's the number one asked question: Is this autism or is this just me? Gotcha. And if you go back to the di- diagnostic criteria for what autism is, um, oh, now that I've just said that, I'm not going to remember it as perfectly. But there's the socio-emotional piece of not being able to, like, socially interact, um, and or reciprocate, or really identify or express your emotions. Um, but there's also this repetitive. Uh, inflexibility to sameness. And so those... Sorry, I'm starting to fade. I know. The Well, you were looking up that. Yeah. The repetitive... Um, how did I just phrase it? The repetitive um, inflexibility to sameness is a very generalized thing, but you start looking at how to apply that. Is it... It, it can be stimming. Like, how are you moving your body? And you're doing that the same time every time. That's down-regulating your nervous system. Is it, is it your inflexibility to your routine? Like, I have to do everything in this order. Or is it that I'm going to eat these specific foods? Like, when you look at the diagnostic um, overhead of, you know, that inflexible persistence of sameness, that can relate to several different parts of daily life and it's not it's broad like that for a reason because it can present in any way it's true i'm i lost you (laughs) that's okay i appreciate you saying that come on five words instead of 50 (laughs) i tried i tried to repeat the same ones it's the inflexibility now i can't remember them i will everyone listen to it rewind it um Sorry, yeah. No, it's fine. That, I'm just saying continue to ask the questions, but it, it's helpful to go back and read the DSM-5 because the more you know what those um, big buckets are of like what they're looking for behaviorally or structurally, the easier it is to go, oh, that's a part of this or that's a part of that. Like, But it takes, it's going to take multiple generations to start really communicating what you're feeling, when you're feeling it, and then as that process becomes more habit, you'll get better at explaining why you're feeling that. And quite frankly, please, please speak up because there are those like myself who care very, very, very much about your experience and I can't understand it unless you share it. One of the reasons why it's almost easier to parent a child with autism is because I have known him from birth and I have been able to observe all of his behaviors so I can start to categorize what is typical for him versus what is irregular for him and then I can start asking questions and figuring out why those things are happening but as a as an adult not only am I missing years of your life but I don't want to assume any particular feeling or cause and I really desperately just want you to tell me so tell us Wait, am I supposed to talk now? Yes, I'm just saying voice what you're feeling and when. Even if it's just like, hey, I lost you. Or, hey, I'm hungry. I just realized I'm hungry. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. Yep. 
and I've uh, I realized the other day that um, anytime I reach down when I go to the bathroom, I'm holding the biggest penis I've ever seen. Oh my goodness! Just a fun fact. Okay. Hey, True. but you know what? Maybe that's the thought process process you need to go through to get yourself back on track in the conversation. Like, I'm Maybe. not judging. I just I'm needed a penis joke in there. There you go. Come on. This is about health and dick jokes. <laughs> well, it's health and emotion, so I can see where that comes in. But anyways, don't you have like a pop minute? Oh, look at you doing pop minute. It's a news minute first. Oh. News minute. Because uh, I didn't want to end on this news minute because it sucks. Oh, no. But I wanted to talk about it. Um, we won't go into great detail again. There was another shooting this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, gunman opened fire on the second floor of a medical building. Four people were killed. The gunman was found dead after he was shot by authorities, but his fatal wounds are said to have been self-inflicted. So I get a little nervous talking about this for multiple reasons because many people tend to think of this solely as a gun issue, which makes it a political issue, but it's something that needs to be discussed isn't this really more than one thing? It's a societal issue. It's a gun issue. It's a mental health issue. Yes, it is. And it's a largely misunderstood issue, I believe, because um, a lot of the gun control that I, that I see is to remove kind of the AR-15s and the automatic and the the types of guns that we use in war that are now, for some reason, wildly wildly available now and without much regulation. Do you mean widely available? That's what I meant. Wildly available. Like, ooh, look, an AR-15 tree. <laughs> widely available. Sorry. Um, that and, and when we talk about restricting like access to those really dangerous guns, then everyone goes, oh, you're going to take away all my guns. It's like this. It's very black and white thinking. It's. And it's a struggle, and we're one of the only countries that that has this persistent. We're the only country that has this issue. Yeah, it's it's really like I every single time something, and obviously there's more shootings than they put in the media. They actually downplay a lot of it when you start really digging into it. It makes me very much just not want to ever that. Now you talk about anxiety, like that scares the living hell out of me. Like I will homeschool him. I will have all my stuff delivered. Like I'm scared. Yeah, but you don't read so good. I'm just kidding. Wow. You with the English, he'll be speaking Chewbacca language. <laughs> he'll be he'll be walking around speaking Wookiee or whatever the <laughs> well, Wookie, whatever Wookiee speak. You know, therapists come to the or house. Klingon I don't know. It's just it just that terrifies me. It absolutely no, terrifies me. And me too. It just pulls me back into the days where I had postpartum anxiety and everything everything scared the hell out of me. And I it just I feel traumatized all over again. And I don't know who doesn't listening to you know you know what I was thinking about this the other day. One of the biggest challenges with this that we're facing is when someone takes a gun in their hands and, and they go into a situation, you, it is the epitome of like compliance. You have to do exactly what they say and you still could lose your life over it. And it's no wonder why we have societal issues over straight up compliance. You know, like you will pay attention to me or you will do what I say. It's a power problem and that's why i think to your point you're saying we also need to be addressing the mental and emotional health behind that because that kind of a behavior means that there's emotional and mental health that's not being addressed that's true that's all i wanted to say on it don't want to go too far yeah down the rabbit hole so not to be a bummer but let's switch it up with <laughs> pop minute <laughs> god at least your intro is good. I know, right? Uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are still in the news this week 
And they both won and they both lost. But Johnny Depp was the real winner. Yeah. I can explain that. So initially, I believe, and I'm just going paraphrasing from memory, that uh, I think he was suing her for like 50 million. Mm-hmm. She countersued for 100. Yep. So they ended up giving her 2 million because of, and not because like the jury believed that Johnny Depp was abusing her or whatever. I don't think it was more because his Johnny Depp's lawyer had said some unsavory things about Amber Heard in the press. Right. And because of that, that linked to Johnny Depp. And so then he was liable for what the lawyer said. Right. But then the, I think she was not awarded punitive damages. No, no punitive damages, which I found out later that the punitive damages that they ended up awarding Johnny Depp were, in excess of like four over four and a half million dollars because i think that he got a 10 million like 10 million dollars um awarded to him and then another five in punitive damages but then the maximum in the state of virginia is three hundred fifty thousand dollars or 385 some weird number oh is that what it was 385 i don't know it was less than four hundred thousand dollars which right. I would love to have that money. <laughs> right. But the whole point was, I think for Johnny Depp, was it wasn't about the money. It was about clearing his name. Seems like, you know, neither one of them looked great during this whole thing. But it, it, I th- most people seem to agree that uh, that they feel like Amber Heard was lying on the stand. It The behavior analysts that have come out and explained and, and really demonstrated like okay this is what we call a cluster of deception and this is what we call this and this is what we call that now watch this video clip and you see all of it um it's it's really interesting i know my gut feeling watching her and i empathize with with domestic and um i would just the feeling of violence and abuse you want when you hear something like that it's always cringe you like cringe but i just had so much difficulty believing her like everything about the way she presented the she'd be super detailed about like a makeup kit and then she would claim she has some skin condition and never mention the name of it and I work in a field where I'm constantly interacting with individuals who have been through traumatic experiences and that inconsistency with detail it's not consistent with the way certain things are processed in the brain and so I just struggled to believe her. What is this? Yeah, I, I, hopefully justice was done. That's all I can say because who really knows exactly what happened. But, you know, when all this stuff went down with the Me Too movement and all like Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, my mom was talking about this with me the uh, earlier today even, um, you know, all these women, women came out of the woodwork to uh, say like Me Too. I mean, literally, that was the movement's name. And then nobody except for, um, oh, shoot, what's her name? What is her name? I can't remember. Um, Ellen Barkin, I believe. She was the one person that said, like, Johnny Depp was drinking and that, you know, not that he was abusive, but that he threw, like, a liquor bottle at her or something like that. But everyone else seemed to disagree with those statements. So, anyway, um, Rochelle has left me, and I think we're at the end of the episode here. Uh, that's the end of Pop Minute, and that's the end of episode 40. Having said that, why did my voice just crack? <laughs> I'm Blake. And I'm Michelle. And we'll be back. And here's some new music for you. I made it with my phone, still waiting to fix my computer, so hopefully 
You'll enjoy it.